Banter Town, another Monday, another time with John and Johnny. Let's talk uh, about that. We are here. We out here. We out here just giving what the people want, Johnny. I don't. <laughs> I don't know the people. Have you heard from people? We don't really know what you want. It does actually. I think we this had, is about what we want, John. We have heard from people actually, and there's oh, going okay. there's going to be a question that we answer today <sighs> yeah, from uh, from a listener that asked us to address something. So, <sighs> how do you repair a 1978 Maytag washing machine? <laughs> you know, you wouldn't know how to do that, wouldn't you? I can fix a dryer. I've never fixed a washing machine. You've never fixed. I can fix most things in a dryer, though. Well, I've put a belt on a drum, and I've put the new heating element in. I think I've even replaced like the little timing wheel that, you know, that does the yeah. Curry's dad, my uh, my father in law, he taught me how to tear things apart. Yeah. We talked about that before. That I'm kind of a a smasher, yeah, reform trying to be reformed smasher where I deconstruct everything. Yeah, but I used to just break everything as a kid. Even like uh, before I found the guitar, I didn't start playing guitar until I was 18. But before that, I would like just have to do something with my hands so I would juggle everything in the house. Wow. I taught myself to juggle. And then like we did not have a piece of unbruised fruit in my home <laughs> for like five years of my adolescence. Wow. Because I would just be like, ooh, a bowl of oranges. And I would just be like, mm. so every time one of my brothers would pick up an orange, it'd be like just all mealy and awful right. from it's being just, dropped a thousand times. It's, it's like a... a just contains juice at this point. Pulp. Yeah. 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 But, uh, which I think we talked about that before about the other time we'd, we'd used oranges. We would play hide and seek in the yard. And then, you know how kids will make up games? Yeah. Have we talked about this? I don't know. So we make up games. I think I told this on Tim Hawkins' podcast. So we're playing hide and seek in my yard at night with like me and three of my friends and my brother. And then we got the idea. I don't know why. We had all these oranges that my mom had bought. And I was like, it's too dark. Like, we can't, and you know, you can't, you don't want to run. You know, you want to be like, you know, almost like throw a kickball at somebody and they're out. Right. That kind of a thing. So I was like, let's put one of these oranges into a sock. <laughs> and then we'll sling it around our head. I think it's a weapon. Yeah. And that is, yeah. And that now becomes a huge, like, it's one of those things like you see in Braveheart. They swing over their head at each other. <laughs> so you just let fly this orange. And then, of course, it gets broken open and now it's a wet orange hitting you in the back or in the back of the head just a smack of a wet orange wow just so we had welts and stuff on us just yeah. a, a wet orange flying at you in the dark I do that's how we played hide and seek i do appreciate you saying welt a welt because you know in the south it's welp. a welp a yeah. lot which is what a puppy welp does. is like well let's go to the store <laughs> <laughs> that's a different thing yeah uh we we used to play um we used to play Bottle Rocket Wars. See, that's way more dangerous. That's yeah, fire. So stupid. That is an explosive. Yeah, like I, I look at back, I look back at the thing. So yesterday, it's funny. Um, my daughter was needing to, so she's making a friendship bracelet or something because she's very crafty. She's in the kitchen. Kids still all do the friendship bracelets. Oh yeah, huh? you know she crochets and she bakes like crazy, and it's like perfect. Like this her is mom. like it's this unbelievable. Is like pioneer kids. I'm telling I you. I figured kids now were just like, you can't even get them to look up from their devices. You're I, saying crocheting and baking. Well, here's the thing, though. How is she learning how to do it? Oh, from on, her device. Tutorial videos. videos. Yeah. That's why she, I mean, I'm not kidding. She has now learned, like, we bought her this big thing for her birthday. That's that makes all, me hopeful for the next oh, generation. She's she she spends all day in the kitchen. It's all from scratch. She makes nothing. She won't make things that aren't from scratch. 
And so, like, it's a don't tell you from scratch joke. <laughs> I guess that's the punchline. Sorry, but um, maybe you could tell it later whenever no one's paying attention. Um, <laughs> such a gross joke. You ruined it. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, okay. But but the uh, <laughs> the stuff that she makes, like, yeah. she's already learned from her mother, like, exactly, oh, you know, most people overcook things. That's, that's the problem. So take everything out two minutes, you know. Right, because it's still cooking. Let it sit. It's like so, taking the burger off the grill early. Right. Yeah. But she she bakes like crazy, makes her own Swiss buttercream or American buttercream, and then she pipes. I don't even know what that is. She has all these piping. Does Swiss buttercream have holes in it? I don't understand. <laughs> what is Swiss buttercream? It's neutral. It, just it, doesn't, is, it doesn't. Yeah, doesn't have a you know, strong <laughs> taste. But um, so she, yesterday, she needed to burn the end of uh, some, some things off of her bracelet because it had a extra end mm-hmm. she's like i used a match so she goes how do you use this lighter like she she didn't know how to call it a lighter because we have the lighters the big one you do the grill yeah she yeah. found a little one in the drawer and she doesn't know how to you know oh my gosh how did it look like flint. Well, so i did the you know i said remember we saw that that eternal match the other day she saw which is a flint and steel kind of thing mm-hmm. that somebody was selling i said that's the same thing and you just button here is keeping fuel to it it makes a spark and when i was doing it like it was scaring her I mean, kids never used a lighter. I started realizing wow. my whole life we use lighters, you know, for everything. Yeah. She's never used that kind. She's only used the button kind. Uh, so I'm like, well, here, do this. Because, you know, your hand really is kind of near the flame on yeah, it, your it's finger. A, yeah. It's pretty dangerous. I said, well, as long as your finger hits this button, it can't hit the flame. And I'm just telling her now it's going to hurt her worse. So I'm sitting here, and she's like, I don't want to do it. It's like, just do it. You know, don't be scared. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. So I'm literally putting her finger on there, trying to get it, because she wasn't flicking it Play hard with fire, enough. sweetie. <laughs> it's, it's exactly the point. <laughs> so when I tell my mom, I said, well, my, my kid, I'm trying to teach her how to play with matches. How to be a pyro. Yeah. yeah as, as, and then she came in later in the day while I was assembling Ikea furniture. I was like, mm. look, I did it. And she was showing me, you know, how to do it. So I just, yeah, it's, it's a crazy different time. In our day... At that age, I was already shooting bottle rockets at my brother's head, right? And I'm trying to teach my kid how to use a, a lighter. So I don't know, Johnny. I mean, am I better off for what you happened don't have to me? Te- I don't think you'd have to teach a boy. You, you know don't what I'm saying? So? I don't know how to destroy things and melt things and burn things. Maybe I, I think it has nothing to do with. with I think it's the gender. timing thing because the lighters aren't as prevalent. I think it has to do with with what's available to them, and I think it has to do with. And again, everybody listening, if you have a boy or girl, then you'll you'll know your kid is what they are. But I've met plenty of boys who don't want to drive because, yeah. you know, you know, or don't like it. I think it really has to do with the generation. I think one, their phones are showing them so much more of what can go wrong. Oh, okay. I think number two, their phones are showing them that they don't have to be, um, they don't have to initiate fun. They can just capture fun any moment they want to by just picking up their device, you know? So when we we were trying to do stuff, like we were trying, we weren't videoing it, but we were trying to do things that would be video worthy today. Yeah. So they would just go watch a video of a kid shooting a bottle rocket at their friend's head. Yeah. Like, you ever lay down at the foot of a ramp that your other friend had set up? Hey, it's not enough for you to ramp over this with your bicycle. Yeah. I'm going to hey, lay under. lay down. Yeah. Let me see how many of you I can stack out here. And like, you don't want to be that last kid. No. You no. know, and you'd set off Evil Knievel style. You don't be that kid at all, because the ramp almost always moves. Something goes wrong. We made a lot of ramps. We did, too, and it was they were shoddily constructed. It wasn't like we just found any rock and a random board that we saw at a construction site nearby. It wasn't like, oh, this will be from Home Depot. This is There was no Home Depot. Yeah. This well, was just... Sounds like you're making some cultural statement, guys. There was no Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have fancy boards. <laughs> there, there was no book of Hezekiah. There was no one outside the house. 
They were calling from inside. Inside the house. But I remember one time we were riding our bikes. We had a a decent hill in our little subdivision. And a friend of ours had come over. And, like, it was a family friend. So it was like he wasn't really... You know what I'm saying? You ever have your... You ever have, like, a friend of another family forced on you? And you're like, I don't even know this kid. But now we have to play with him. (laughs) So we were already a little bit... There was already a little tension. Yeah. And my brother and I had our bikes... And then he was like, well, I don't have a bike. Cause I mean, he was just kind of dropped off mm. and I was like, let him use my brother's bike, my older brother's bike. And it had no brakes, but we didn't tell this kid this. You knew it, but didn't tell I him. I knew it, but didn't tell him. Wow. And I guess I thought, well, that'll be fine. He's whatever. Until he started going down the hill as fast as he could. And he came off of that bike. I, I don't even remember what happened after that. <laughs> I really don't. I, it's That's, like I blocked it out. Like, I don't remember if he went to the hospital Johnny. I know he didn't die. He scraped himself up pretty good. What did you think was going to happen? Like, why did you think it would just be okay? I think I thought okay? he'll ride around and we'll be on level ground. It'll be, it wasn't like we thought, mm, this will be, let's so watch, watch, watch this. Hill. It wasn't like that. It was a, hey, Billy, well, here's a hill. bike. Maybe I thought originally it might have been even thing like, well, I don't want him to be left out. But I remember I did not tell him there were no brakes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, you get into the throw in the broom into the spokes of the bike. That's a thing that definitely uh, a boy invented that for sure, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. Hateful, hateful boys. Yeah. When I was teaching Seti how to ride a bike, it took a long time. And we moved to our new house. We had this cul-de-sac next door, like one yard over that we can walk to. It's flat for mm-hmm. the most part. So she, you know, she finally got the hang of it. But I'd go ride with her. That's kind of the way I taught her eventually. Instead yeah. of like running behind her, yeah, I went and bought myself a bike. And isn't that just like our Lord? My goodness, guys! When you saw two tire tracks, yeah, it's because boy, he was he was right beside you. You, you were, see three, he left the training wheels on, and because he, right. he, you didn't trust him. You were riding on the handlebars. Wait. You're in the basket. <laughs> You're in his basket. The Holy Spirit's in the basket. Wait, wait. I don't know how that's... She's the. Wind beneath your... Anyway. And so, like, we had been riding successfully, and yeah. we come out on the main street to come back into our driveway. It's like, okay, look, you just follow exactly where I go. There's a little bit of a incline. Mm-hmm. It's not a ditch. <laughs> okay. You drove your daughter into a ditch. Well, if you keep going, it gets way steeper off uh-huh. the road into the yard. I was just going to come right across the edge into the grass, because we were still riding in the grass when we could. Yeah. So she fell it, over. Right. Right. Softer. <clears throat> and so... That backfired. So uh, I was like, just follow exactly where my wheels go. I'm going to go right off the edge. Because we had to get off the road quick. This mm-hmm. is the, uh, That road can be busy. So I I still have this flashback. So I I go right off the edge into the grass. And I turn mm-hmm. around to see her come behind me. And instead of coming where I went, she goes way further down to the steepest part. Oh, man. And just, you know, again, you're watching your little... And I think this is one thing, watching a little girl. I don't know how it is to watch a little boy... But like you, everything in your life is yeah, like, I don't want her to get hurt. Right, I don't, you know, sure. You're more protective. And I just watch her come right off innocently, not knowing what's about to happen. That's what kills me. Like, I want to prepare her to know, look, if you choose to, to do this. Yeah. But now daddy just what do you led mean, you. Right, she can, like, as she, so as saying, she's airborne, she's, you're like, this is going to hurt. <laughs> like, or you just, <laughs> well, I, just I want to let her know. I think, no, I like, I want her to know why she should avoid doing things like that. Yeah. And then if she goes and does them having known about it, yeah. well, then I have at least a lesson. You take go. this gauze with you. Right. You shouldn't have done that. I told you this was going to hurt, but she had no idea. She thought she was following daddy. Yeah. She just didn't follow daddy directly where his wheel went. Oh, that, man, I'm telling you and, what, this is, you're guys, laying down the fire. I hope you people have your Bible 
Bible's open right now. <laughs> um. <laughs> Follow your daddy wherever his wheel goes. A wheel within a wheel, within a mighty wheel. <laughs> within a spoked. Anyway, she went right over. The, that thing just, it, it flipped over yeah. forward, uh-huh. except it didn't throw her off. It like <sighs> caught her like a pretzel. So she fell down into the bike, you know, her yeah. arms and legs all just, I mean, immediately began screaming like a banshee. So it's just like this horrible, I ran, I untwisted. How, how old at this time? Uh, let's see. She would have been what? She was seven or eight. Okay. Yeah. We had been riding for a bit, but now we were out on the road, you know, like, and, and so, because uh, I didn't, I didn't teach her till later. She's not broken bones yet though. No. You haven't had the hospital trip yet. No, we've had a hospital trips for other things, but not for broken bones. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah, she was just scraped up. But I just remember how much it hurt, and I'm just like, oh, Sadie, I'm so sorry. You know, like, but that's what happened when I was a kid. I flew over the handlebars a hundred times. Yeah, you know? man. And, and I don't know. And then somebody listening is going, you know, what's, what's wrong with these kids today? We're afraid to go over the handlebars. You're trying to stop them from getting hurt, you know. And I'm just like, yeah. You can't put your kids in bubble wrap. It's like, well, I, I know. She's not in bubble wrap. Well, again, I yeah. taught her how to play with fire. Well, yeah. What more do you want, you know? I don't put anything in bubble wrap. It's too expensive. You only moved. I was just like, I'm not. And you put it in a newspaper. Lot, we have a lot of dinged up furniture. That's what I guess I'm saying. <laughs> we should have. I want bubble never, wrap's good. As long as, I, it, listen, I, I'm not saying this. I understand that there's a... a um, a financial component to what I'm going to say. Oh boy! But after the last time, if I ever have to move again, mm-hmm. I think I would rather. I may even say this: I would rather go into debt. Yes. And pay somebody. Hundred percent. Like whatever that I'm. It, I mean, max it's like a thousand bucks, maybe a little. Is it though? I mean, I think you can pay a lot more than that. I for know, you can, but I know some people. <laughs> okay, who know some people? Two guys in a truck, or I mean, whatever. <laughs> who do a good job? There's all these ones that are like small business names, like dorm dudes, right? It's just like college kids show up, throwing your lamps around. Which remind me, by the way, you used to have a joke. It was, a, I think, it was just a premise. I don't know if you ever like right. joked it fully out. Yeah, I always thought it was really funny. So I rented a U-Haul yeah. this week. And you used to talk about U-Hauls. Oh, right. And just says, like, that's a company that's like, look, we don't even, even in the name, it's like, U-Haul. We ain't doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Really is, though. I mean, yeah. that's the kind of the point. The thing they started doing, too, that's kind of, like, really extra manipulative is, like, they'll have the blankets in there, but you have to, like, break the seal. And it unlock. It's almost like the mini fridge at your hotel. Have you noticed this? Like, uh-huh. the dolly is like cable tied to the side of these now. Right. To where if you cut the cable ties to access the dolly, they know it, and that's an extra $20 or right. whatever. They're waiting to see. It's, it's, like, the, mac, it's the macadamia nuts. They're $18 in your hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, yeah, it's the bottle. Are you sure you want to carry that washer and dryer by yourself? There's a dolly over here. <laughs> Get your snips out. You can have it. It's weird. They're tempting you with extra. What if you don't have snips? I don't know. That's wow. another thing. It's you it's taped to the wall. You tear the snips off. Those are Velcroed. <laughs> yeah, I did get there. I picked up a trailer because we went to Ikea in Memphis. Yeah. So, so Sadie, they've pushed school back two weeks and they're starting into hybrid. Yeah. The hybrid means she's in school two days a week, at home three days a week. And gets better gas. All mileage. the way through... <laughs> She will get much better gas mileage under this plan. <laughs> and so we know now, after the spring, her being home the whole time, we had her in like a folding table in the spare bedroom. So we're like, look, her room still looks a little bit like a little kid's room. That's what but, she was sleeping on, the folding table. This she is, was Right, right. Man, this is she like was, Rocky Balboa <laughs> stuff. She's training. She's lifting rocks and stuff. And Drago's like on the big fancy machines. <laughs> it's so true. Okay. But she's way smarter. Uh, and so uh, we basically, like... 
got the stuff for almost like a little college dorm room, little desk area, and we kind of yeah. moved some things around, and, and it was really nice. And uh, I heard you defend this this morning at breakfast. You were like, but she'll have this until her whatever. It's like when people buy the crib that's a billion dollars, but they're like, yeah, but they can have it until they're eight. It transforms like any kid's going to be like, oh, yeah, uh, this is where they, this is my bassinet. It transformed <laughs> now. Now it's my day bed. We, and, so, uh, we did that too. Their feet are hanging <laughs> off the edge. <laughs> we did they're that. They're six again. foot tall now. Well, no, it turned into a double bed. Eventually oh, made into a double bed. Gosh. See, you don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> but when we spent all that money, that's exactly yeah. what we said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she'll think all this furniture is still cool when she's college age. Well, actually, this would be cool if I was in college. Like, all the shelf stuff built into it and all this. Co- anyway, I don't know. It's all I fun. know is, you is we... You spent a million hours putting it together. I found a way to go overnight with my wife alone. That was part of this. Yeah. Because we haven't... I mean, think about it. I haven't been anywhere... In a long time. Like, you just took a trip. I did. I haven't been anywhere in a long time. I didn't mean to throw that in your face that I've yeah. taken a trip, John. I'm wow. sorry. Wow. Jeez. So I was like, hey, and this is our 20th anniversary, by the way. You just had your 25th. Congratulations. 20, yeah. Yeah. You too. Yeah. 20, yeah. man, 20 years, John. I remember when we hit 20 years. No, I don't. It was, don't it was, it was five years ago. <laughs> <I remember>. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had, this is not our 20th trip. We had big plans, but now we're, now I'm just like, look, if we could just, look, let's go to Cookville or, and we'll stop at a pilot, yeah. and I'll get you one of those nice coffees. You know, like we're 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 that's downgrading. Nice. We were going to go to Europe or something. Yeah, now no, we're I'll like, have to go to Europe this year yeah. for twenty five. And that's since Europe isn't having Americans right now. Right, they don't. are like you're not welcome. Yeah, we're literally the ugly Americans right now. Yeah, <laughs> like, you'd be a lot less ugly if you put that mask on. We couldn't mm-hmm. see your face. You know, true. You know, metaphorically, that's what they're saying to us. But I'm not endorsing masks or not endorsing masks. I'm or just saying we're endorsing the, xenophobia. I'm just saying that we're the, probably the only cult culture in the world right now. That's that cult, cult culture. Sorry, <laughs> we're the only country. Let's just say like that in the world that I know of is yeah. having quite the war over the mask. Right, like it is a cultural war over yeah. masks, and that I think the fact that we're having the war is kind of the problem for me. Not yeah. Not whether or not, how do you feel about it, whatever. We talked about it before. Anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. Our freedom has caused us to have anxiety over the most trivial of things. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, it's the, it's the individualism versus collectivism. Oh, argument it comes up in every single thing now that i what's interesting to me is when churches take up that fight, when church literally is a collective mindset. Yes. As is government, by the way. But a church person who believes in a collective mindset by their own ideals will fight you over their individual rights. Yeah. And think that that doesn't ever infringe. It never crosses over. It never conflicts with the collectivism of being a part of God's church. I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated, yes, by, again, much like the fact that we're having the war is the issue to me. The fact that people don't see that, Mm -hmm. that they don't go, oh, wait, I'm, I'm... literally using a community based a community intended entity yeah as the backdrop logically for a completely individualistic argument like that that right there yeah. whether it's government or church by the way because right. government also is supposed to be for the collective good so i don't like wearing the mask i will say that i don't like it either i don't like it and i'm do it i do it for other people and i'm t- yeah. i'm i'm wor- this is the new thing we're going to have to do it for a while and it's i don't like it but well, here's the thing. Everybody's like, well, I just want to live my life normally. And what we always say, well, if I had to wear a mask for a few months and I got to live my life normally, then I'll take it. Like yeah. At this point, I want to live life with the mask on 
if that's what it takes. Again, that will preach. My goodness, guys. Isn't that... (laughs) Don't all of us have masks in a lot of ways? Yeah. Maybe the ones who aren't wearing the mask are the ones who already have one. And who wants to wear two masks? How would you breathe? Oh, my goodness. It's already stifling your breath. (laughs) Spiritually. I think a lot of people have learned how bad their breath is. That's an interesting... I will say that. It's an interesting offshoot. Like, there's all kinds of unintended things that have happened. People are having dinner around the table again. People are reconnecting with their families. Yeah. Uh, some people are like, Hey, I chose the wrong family, that sort of thing. (laughs) And then, wow, this family is a mess. But yeah, we now know like, wow, I should have eaten less onions. Maybe no more onions on my salad. Yeah, I will. There it is. You're punishing yourself. It can be bad. Not just the people around you. You're like, I am taking these onions. The good news is, is I'm not worried about when I go to, if I do have face-to-face meetings and I'm up with a mask, I'm not worried about the breath, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Only for myself. Hey, I do want to say this about the masks for a second. Oh, wow. There are some people, and this is legit, there are some people that they have panic attacks or anxiety disorders oh, sure. and other things. And that that makes them feel very uh, constricted. So, I mean, to be clear, I, I do think that there's a validity yeah. probably around the world for people who are struggling with that particular issue. Uh, if you feel like trapped by it or something, yeah. it's it does It sounds like we're just like everyone should wear a mask. I think what we're saying is, is it, that might make the most sense to slow down the spread of this until we can get through it. I think that's just science. There's a reason surgeons yeah. wear masks in the right. in your surgery room forever uh-huh. for sixty years, like for ten hours a day. They wore a mask for sixty years. Well, ten hours a day is oh, the practice for sixty I, years. Sorry, okay. <laughs> well, that was. But like they wear in the shower. Wherever. Who are these people? But, but like you know, there's a reason. Like masks are just they're just going to stop some yeah, things yeah. from spreading or right. so that's just that's just like the idea that that even medical science is in question seems really awkward to me like yeah. i don't understand guys we've not debated whether masks work the medical profession has been using them for a long 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 time the moment we we debate whether or not this is something that's going to help yeah that seems silly to me like well there's no doubt we would all not get the common cold as much if we just wore masks, doesn't mean we should all the time. I get it. I, it's, it, I would right. rather have it's the common cold. Right. You know, so we, we were just dealing with a different circumstance. But that being said, you know, I, I do understand some people who are struggling with the... But when they when they bring it into religious liberties... Yeah. Like, that they're trying to stop us from worshiping by making us wear masks or, you know, or that they're... You know, and I know in Tennessee, there's no... The, the governor refuses to do anything that, you know... Um, He's not going to tell churches they can't meet or have a certain number, even mm-hmm. though he says, here's what we recommend. And even though every other organization our size is what you do, we're recommending this and we can mandate it as law. We just won't mandate it for churches. So there is a <clears throat> because of, of the Constitution, there is a you know the Bill of Rights. There's a I'm not going to call it a loophole, but there's a protection there that that our governor interprets mm-hmm. as as uh, counting it's in this situation. Right. Yeah. I don't want to say loophole. But it is a like if you were any other organization that it's had this many people being given, yeah. yeah. But if you guys do this, and there's a good chance, and there's a lot of data that it, you are going to spread it more, yeah. so you need to take you know measures if you are going to do it. <clears throat> but like those who have kind of like suddenly made that this opportunity to go get a whole lot of YouTube followers, like uh, there, you know, and I mean, I'm telling you, it, I'm I'm also becoming a little more comfortable talking on the podcast or talking even in my sermons, about what people are, are posting on social media. Uh-huh. In fact, I want to do this one day. If I, if I do it now, though, it'll, it'll ruin it. So maybe I'll – I'm just going to say it because I'll probably never do it. It's an interesting experiment. I was thinking about this the other day. I want to do a sermon one day where, as one of my illustrations, I say, hey, guys, 
I've gone to all of your social media feeds, and I've, I'm not going to put your names up, but I want to begin posting things on the big screen. We have this huge screen, you know. Yeah, yeah. That you've posted, you know. And I'll make them funny just stuff. Just blur out their... Yeah. To show the memes and the... Just show, here's what you're posting kind of thing. And I'll start very funny, but let it get more and more like... Oh, boy. You know. And then watch people kind of get uncomfortable, you know. And and some people really get mad. Like, how dare you? Right. But they take, posted it. And I want to go, guys, the whole point of this is, whether you realize it or not, when you posted it, it went to a much bigger screen. Yeah. Like, you know, you already invited everybody in our entire church to see it. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the entire world to see it. Yeah. But they, there's not an awareness of that. There's like still this privacy for church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, let's not talk about what Johnny posted. Why would we not? Johnny wanted you to see it yeah. if you posted it. My buddy Marty uh, Simpson, his dad was a defense attorney in South Carolina, a very successful defense attorney for years. And he used to tell Marty Grump, even before social media, he said, never send an email or leave a voicemail or anything like that, that you are not comfortable being read aloud in court. Yeah. We tell Sadie that all the time. She's She really wants some social media. And we're like, no. There's She has Pinterest. Yeah. And a lot of her friends have TikTok and other things, you know. Yeah. And we're just like, hey. And we know that there's parental settings and all that. But, hey. And she, Sadie has seen this. When she'll come across something that's really mm-hmm. embarrassing that someone her age has put out that's now like someone's meme. Yeah. Or is now. I was like, listen. We thank God at our age, did a lot of stupid things that did not last forever in the, in the memory of the country and of all of our friends because it was liter- literally digitized. Uh-huh. But for you guys, you're recording your stupidest moments. Yeah. You're recording adolescence. Like and, crazy dances and stuff that are going to be like, you get one thing wrong and it's like, look how this girl dances and you're mocked. Forever. Yeah. Or more importantly, you, go, you, you have a bad moment and go in and say something bad about somebody. Or, yeah. You know, I mean, heck, we talk about all the time. I'm going to keep growing through all of my sermons. There are things, there are things I've removed where it wasn't like an offensive thing I said. I've just, I've grown in that mindset. Like I, I think I have a more educated or informed viewpoint now of that issue. So I don't think I've ever said. I mean, I probably have said things that were wrong, but you know, this is a great question. A great question. When was the last time you changed your mind about something? Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. You grow up thinking changing your mind is weakness, right? Um, if you grow up, you know, some certain people, I won't say just the way that we grew up. I think a lot of people grow up that way. It's like when you think of somebody who's older, I think we talked about this a little bit about how like when they, when they pass on, you're like, man, they were faithful to this or whatever. What you, a lot of times what you're saying in the undercurrent of is, is like they just held fast to this certain principle. They never wavered ever. Right. Even when the politicians, if they go. Yeah, I have more information now. I've changed my mind on this. You go, you waffled on the issue. We we criticize. Yeah. Right. He didn't stay. He's, he's changed his mind. Look at this. He voted yes on this, and now he's voting no. Come on. You go, well, yeah, but that was 10 years ago. <laughs> right. I'm a different person now. We all are. But we would, like, hold that politician in disdain. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, and that, and again, social media immediately brings that to the forefront. And that's where I was going with the, there's, you know, there is a pastor in Mount Juliet. Yeah, who has like a million, millions of followers. In fact, you and I both. I've been places where I was in Wisconsin. Someone asked me because I knew the guys from Mount Juliet. Yeah, his church is not, you know, like again, my church is small. I don't know the issues. Church is not like some church of two thousand. It is interesting though that he would have a small church and have a million followers. Yeah, but he is like, um, like he posted a video this week, and his backdrop 
was a statue of Satan. It was like a what? some yeah, it was like a you know, some huge muscle bound demonic looking thing with a goat horn and a mm-hmm. pentagram and a mm-hmm. and he was just basically saying we're under attack and you know and and it it was and he he quoted one scripture. He did quote, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood and all those things. But it was a real, you should be upset and do something because everything is going, Satan's taking over. Mm-hmm. And if we don't rise up and defend the church and we don't rise up and defend conservatism, basically, because a lot of a lot of nationalism gets, mi- gets mixed in with what he's saying. This is like, in fact, he had a video before that. Again, I'm not afraid to say this. He's already put it out. Yeah, like you know, I used to be like, I don't want to talk about that, but I'm like, the guy put it out. Like yeah. that's you know, um, the video before that that really took off was he, and he basically he basically said every pastor in Nashville who's doing any sort of social distancing, who's doing any sort of you know adjustment to this, that this is not real, that the virus is not spreading. He said that the virus is not spreading. That's fake. That's yeah. not real knowledge, and that we should be ashamed. He said that. You should mm. all be ashamed, you know, the church of Jesus. And he went into it and he did not quote any scripture that time. He said, like it says in Romans and like it says in Ephesians and never actually quoted the scriptures. Yeah. Just kind of threw out the books of the Bible that you could go find in the table of contents and basically said that anybody who's doing this should be ashamed. It's not the real gospel. And, and what gets me is like the adversarial fear-mongering tone, throwing in a lot of politics. He had a lot of political things to say in there as well, which I do believe politics fit in. Like you, What you say may be a joke, but it's really it really cuts to the heart well. We only complain about people talking about politics when it's politics we don't agree yeah, yeah. with. You know? And so I do think if it, like I was talking to you know Reggie this week and we're working on some book stuff related to race. And I said, you know, people are going to accuse us of talking about politics. He goes, if it's about race, John, it's going to cross into politics, even if mm-hmm. it's about the church, even if it's about the gospel. Yeah. Because politics is just people. I mean, and it's policy. Race, there's a policy issue with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like to say the we can just complete the church has for so long. Just, oh, we don't get into that. Either they're completely into that. And when they did get into that, they don't know how to get into it because mm-hmm. there's not been a balance. There's not been like a, a, a all the time we understand where the lines are because we don't really approach it. And so a lot of churches, especially in this last, I'd say, four years or so, four to six years, have like jumped in both feet into, quote unquote, conservative politics, yeah. evangelical politics. And it's like there's no um, – there, there's been no wisdom beforehand because we just avoided it altogether. And, and I do believe that's a part of privilege. We had the privilege to avoid a lot of things happening because it wasn't really affecting – it was the status quo was maintaining good things for the white evangel, evangelical church. Right. And so like jumping in both feet suddenly is is very un there's – no, there's no moderation. There's no like self-control. It's now all completely black and white. Mm-hmm. Like there's no conversations leading up to it. There's no bridge for it. There's no paradigm. There's no like thought of how these conversations should go. And so now they're just posting videos saying, you know, basically if you're not hardcore Trump supporting, completely ignore and deny the existence. This is all a liberal conspiracy. There's not a real thing happening. Yeah. It's all going to end with the election. It's all politics. It doesn't matter that, by the way, it's happened. And, and this pastor did say this, and this really bothered me. <laughs> he goes, 
we're not some third world country. We're we're not. And he named a few. Yeah. And literally, I, I won't say the name of his church. Okay, that might go too far. But reaching the world is in the name of his church. Yeah. Like it's it's one of those. You know, there's a church. There, it's there's a church by the way in, in, that I love in Murfreesboro called Global Outreach. The name of this church would be similar to that church. It's it's different, but it'd be similar. So like he's about reaching, but it was a real. It was a real, we're the United States of America. We don't do what, right. we're not subject, which by the way is a, a supremacy mindset. Yeah. And, and Imperialist like, mindset. Well, yeah, it's the thing of like, it's all a conspiracy uh, to get to unseat Trump. And it's like, well, how do you explain South Korea and North Korea? You know what I'm saying? How do you explain all the other countries? Right, everybody like, else is They're all sick. in on it? Yeah, they're all <laughs> right. in on it. Um, well, and that's actually in my sermon today. I did talk about that. Like, guys, you know, I, I get it. Because I'm talking about Isaiah. And the truth is, the United States is not in any of these prophecies. And Andrew talked about that last week in his message. Like, we got to start there. Mm-hmm. Y'all have to not take – this is not all prescriptive. Some of this is descriptive, and, and there's a humility yeah. that we're supposed to have to realize that we're not at the center of this story. White people are not. America is not. Your family is not. Like Israel and Abraham and Middle Eastern people are at the center of this story. And by God's grace, we are one of the um, – number that has no number of Gentile nations and Gentile people who by the grace of God, he loved us and has grafted us into his story. But there's supposed to be a humility to that. Mm-hmm. Like, a, oh my gosh, Jesus loved me enough, even though I'm literally <laughs> that far from God's message, from his original message, that he's invited me by grace into the story to be a part of the spiritual Israel, to be a part of his people. He made a way for all that to happen. When I read Isaiah, like there are principles I take away from it, but it's not about me. It was mm-hmm. literally about, um, you know, the, the destruction of Jerusalem and then, and then the exile into Babylon. Mm-hmm. It's about the hope that would come, and then it's about the Messiah who would come post that. And so, like you, it, it, and I said, look, if it's offensive to you, and offensive to me in my mindset to to think that, then my advice is this: let it offend you. Like we admonish each other faithfully according to God's word. Here, this yeah. would be a really good of, a moment to be offended. To break down that idea that this is all about us. And that's why I said, some of y'all keep saying the pandemic I hear from everyone is going to end at the election. And I do believe it's being politicized left and right. I do absolutely believe that by yeah. everywhere. And, and maybe it'll be reported differently after that or whatever. But what we're not taking into account is, is this is happening in countries all over the world. There's a mom in Haiti right now that doesn't care about who our president is. Mm-hmm. Like y'all realize the presidential election, and there's also this feeling that we have to save the church, the Christianity, and civilization with the presidential election. Right? It need it needs us. It needs our intervention. And it's like, guys, that's a very arrogant position. Yes, that's God's, a very imperialistic position. And it's also it's it's a narcissistic position. It's an it's an unbiblical position. But and it's also, by the way, making God really really small. It's a very works based. Right. It's very much saying God God's not in control of this. I got to vote the right way, or this thing's going to go down. Yeah. And I was like, what, what negative things we can cause is not understanding our role in being the church rightly and actually living out this unisolated, others-centered yeah. you know, lifestyle of confession, lifestyle of – I mean, like living the gospel is actually our role. 
Mm-hmm. If you believe it, Jesus said, then you'll live this way. You'll you'll obey what I'm saying. You'll love each other as I've loved you. You'll forgive your enemies. It's a whole lot of offensive stuff. It's just fin- offensive differently. It's offensive to the Christian. Your tone will, will sound yeah. different. It will sound like mine. It will sound like Jesus. Not mine, yeah. Johnny. Like Jesus. Oh, wow. But I was speaking, so, quote, unquote, for Jesus, which is dangerous. <laughs> this is exactly <laughs> what you should be doing. <laughs> yeah, I always think it's interesting people like think offense is like the end of the story. Like, well, I got offended, and so like that's the end. Right. I'm out. It's like no one's ever been offended to death. <laughs> you know? Right. You got offended. Then what happened? Then we went home. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you went on with your life? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But I was really offended. Okay. Well, let's start there. And then you just like, let's deconstruct that instead of being like that being the conversation killer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we're just dancing around each other. Well, in a real relationship, offense can be the best thing. It can lead to so many, if you love each other, if you yeah. endure, if you're, you know, not just loyal. I think loyalty has too many doubles, yeah. double edges to it. But you know, the, one of the proverbs that always gets me is um, a friend loves at all times mm-hmm. and a brother is born for adversity. And there are some times when I'm praying and, and I'm feeling offended against a friend that that scripture really comes to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, when I, but when I don't know what to do, there's a time <laughs> I need to go do something. This feels like it's about me. Johnny, I think you know why I called you. I've saved <laughs> you 125 episodes, episodes to get into it. It's the longest <laughs> intervention of all time. been playing the long game here, very patient. But, um, you know, it, there, when, I, when I don't know, should I confront or should I be patient? Should I? And the same thing, I, same thing I, I talk to people about marriage is it says, husbands love your wives. Mm-hmm. So for husbands, I'll talk to them sometimes, you're like, look. When in doubt, like sometimes you shouldn't be in doubt. You need to talk it out. You yeah, need to have yeah. an argument. You need to take this action. But when you don't know what to do, yeah. scripture gives you a really clear thing. Just love your wife. Yeah, you everybody has that thing of, everybody has that friend who, because I had a friend who was married seven years and then they, she came one day and was like, I'm out. Hmm. And he was devastated. And I was like, oh man, it was like he was totally blindsided. But then after I talked to him a while, I was like, well, tell me what's been going on. Nothing. Things were great. And then you, as you start talking more, it's like things weren't great. Right. And I even asked questions like, when's the last time you were intimate? Well, it had been about a year. A year? Things weren't great. Right. Do you guys fight? No, we never fight. That's the thing. You guys should have been fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, but then there's a limit to where you're like, if you're always fighting, you're probably not compatible. Either. Right. You need to figure out how to fight fair, maybe. Yep. Where you're not just like nitpicking each other all day, but it's like, where's that balance of like, no, it was just out of nowhere we broke up. It's like, no. Yeah. Happy marriages don't end. Not just randomly. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Very rarely is something random. <laughs> yeah. Very, very rarely does something just happen out of the blue. It happens out of something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's possible, but it's, it's, it's rare. And of course, we're an exceptional culture, meaning we're always looking for the exception. Well, I knew the one guy who, you know, yeah. and, and generally... They never had a crossword. Right. And yeah. they, they, we just didn't talk about it back then, and we loved it. You yeah. Know? There are patterns, like yesterday, we were assembling all this Ikea furniture. And it was eight hours, Johnny. Eight hours. That's too much. And we still... Half the stuff they didn't have, by the way, they're shipping to us. So we, I don't know what we'd have done if we had it all. And um, I was getting pretty tired I was getting pretty, and my back was hurting because I was bent over the stuff all day, and my shoulder was. This hurting. is just like when my dad used to work in the salt mines. Yeah, it was. Oh my goodness, it was such a <laughs> such a hard life. My dad never worked in the salt mines. And I had this drawer. I was putting together drawers, and she was working on something else in the other room. And she came in. She was like, "I'm going to leave that. We'll do it together in a minute. I'm going to help you with these drawers." And yeah. I had it kind of put. 
half together. I was going to reach for a part. I was on the other side of the room coming mm-hmm. back. And she was like, oh, well, look at this. And she came over and she was like, well, this is obviously not in here right. And she didn't know how I had it positioned on purpose because uh, it was waiting for a bracket. Oh, no. And she just kind of touched it and the whole drawer just fell into a heap. Like a house of cards. And I was like tired, hungry, back hurting, yeah. shoulder hurting. I was like, what are you doing? Like I yeah. had this, you know, big reaction. You <laughs> said to God, what is this woman you've given me? <laughs> Why have you forsaken me? And, and we, we actually really like assembling things together. We've been on this road trip together, you know, and she didn't even react. She was just like, she knew she broke the drawer, yeah. you know, and we put it back together. It's fine. She was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And she looked down and it, it took me a few, it took me about three minutes. And yeah. I looked at her, I go, Hey, I am say again, this is the point. Like these are, this is fighting fair. I had, being upset is part of life. Yeah. I'm never going to have a moment I don't react when, you know, those things are out of frustration. I mean, I can get better at it. Yeah. But I just said, hey, whoa, I'm really sorry I yelled at you. I shouldn't have hit you with the drawer. I shouldn't have taken this hammer. (laughs) And and she said, she goes, she just said, no, it's okay. I said, no, it's really not okay. Like, there shouldn't be, there shouldn't be a moment in life where I just scream at my wife over something like that. So you just, just forgive me. Like that, that was just me being tired or whatever. But like owning things is a part of our boundaries, mm-hmm. like that, and not thinking like that moment is who you are, right? Like judging that person, like, well, that's who John's true self is. It came out. The drawer falls apart. And, he screams. He's a screamer. It's like no. But if a John never owns it, you may think that's who. He, that's. I think yeah. that's a great point. When things aren't addressed in the time when they happen regularly, yeah. or at least once every five times, you go, you know, I don't. I think the, yeah. the whole gospel is a call. To change. Like, in fact, repentance means to change one's mind, mm-hmm. okay, and direction. But it begins with a change of mind. I think the literal word means to change a mind. And then, it, you know, we have all these contexts of what it means. Romans says, don't be conformed to this world. We'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you think your mind is always right, mm-hmm. then what it need is there to renew it. You know, that the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. If the inward man is already great... Mm-hmm. And this is where I see the political climate. It's where I see where the church is right now. What do we? We don't need to repent. We don't need to talk about racism and repent. Like I, I don't, I yeah, don't have anything in my heart towards anybody. And you're like, if we, that means what? What you're saying is, is I don't even need to listen to find out mm-hmm. if there's a place where I can be more new. Like I'm not, I'm not questioning your motives and your intentions, but your motives and intentions. That's that's the new Christianity. Is I have good motives. I have good intentions. I mean no harm, therefore I do no harm. Mm-hmm. Meaning no harm does not mean you do no harm. Uh, meaning no harm driving at 90 miles per hour, which I do sometimes. If I have a wreck right then that hurts somebody when I was breaking the law, though I meant no harm, I'm still responsible for the harm. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to be – there's some responsibility. That's the ownership and the boundary of it to understand that, um, that intentions don't – we just think again, and I know that old expression is horrible. The road to hell is paved with good intentions and all those things. I was thinking about the one that says we judge other people by their actions. We judge ourselves by our intentions. Yes. You know, I have that talk with Sadie all the time. Honey, whether you realize it or not, you know, people can't read your mind. Yeah. If everyone understood this, as I'm just, I just you know, if you realize people will only, and that we're using the term judge there a little harshly, people will evaluate. Mm-hmm you by your words and your actions because that's all they have until they get to really, really, really know you. Then they'll know more about you. But for the most part, most of the people you encounter will only evaluate you by your, by your words and your actions. So 
how many times do people get online and say something and in their heart it's okay yeah. because they know what they mean. Right. And you're like, you don't get that. You don't, you get to choose your behaviors. You get to choose your actions, but you do not get to choose. This is a big thing from recovery. You do not get to choose the consequences for your actions. Mm-hmm. You do not get to choose that. So you can choose to have this viewpoint on racism. You do not get to choose how the black community feels about it. Mm-hmm. You can't also like tell them they don't get to feel that way about it. You get to choose to live in isolation. You don't get to choose what it does to your marriage, to your community, and all those things. Like You don't get to choose. And that's why God's ways and God's word, it actually is a book, and when you delve into the wisdom part especially, that is telling you the consequences of certain actions and attitudes. It's telling you, if you live in, he who, he who isolates himself, seeks his own desire, breaks out against all sound judgment. If you live in isolation, you can't learn. It says, it, my dad used to quote it in the Living Bible all the time. To learn, you must want to be taught. To, re, to refuse reproof or correction is mm-hmm. stupid. And it says stupid in the Living Bible instead of foolish. It's foolish to not be able to learn. Um, the, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his opinion. What what God is telling us through his word is, if you don't really want to understand, you don't take pleasure in understanding, okay, then you will be foolish. Like you don't get to choose to yeah. not take pleasure in understanding and also not be a fool. Like that's the thing. You don't get to choose that consequence. That consequence is, is the way God, it's, God's not even setting it up that way. It's just a reflection of his, of his nature and his character. This is how it works. Mm-hmm. It's an uncreated reflection of how god is therefore it's an uncreated it's baked in john just like the swiss cream oh my goodness the holes mm. right there in your icing so mm. but that i don't know i just think for us as a church for us as believers is where it begins like i have to be asked why i asked that question when was the last time you changed your mind about something and if i point if i can't point to something significant in life right. that i at least grew in that nope, everything my grandpappy told me is exactly the way it is today. I don't think that's how the gospel was meant to work. Even the church who had the perfect message, well, out of the gate, they discriminated against uh, Greek-speaking widows over Hebrew widows in the food distribution program. And they had to make a change. They had to say, well, we're going to put these seven guys, Stephen and Philip were two of them, and and they're going to be in charge of this because this shouldn't be this way. They had to acknowledge right. that there was actually – it was actually racial discrimination in the church. I think it was the first thing that they ever done. Right, right. <laughs> you know, they had to say, oh, instead of going, no, 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 it's not possible. We're the church. We can't have racial discrimination. Like it can't be. We can't be wrong about this. Jesus started this. Mm-hmm. We can't be wrong about this. We're the best – well, yeah. And Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against us. He did say that. He didn't say you wouldn't have to keep repenting and changing as you went. Right. Like, actually, he said you would. So. Well, even Paul was doing what he thought was right when he was killing in prison Christians. He yep. thought, this is the right thing. And once he had new information, there you go. <laughs> he changed everything. Yep. And again, the assault on information is part of the problem. Now, new information must be wrong if it contradicts what I already believe. Yeah, that's the most infuriating thing yep. ever now. That's, and both sides are doing that. Yep. If I read something I don't like, that's fake news. I'll find one Google article that kind of agrees with me. Yep. That's the one. That's the gospel. Yep. It's like, ugh. I know. How are we ever supposed to, how, how can we live? But yep. we'll solve that another day, John. We will, and we appreciate you spending some time with us today. Uh, we were supposed to get to a question, Johnny, and we did not. 
Uh, and so, you promised. You teased it. I know. I'm so sorry. But that'll get people to come back. It's a double tease. I'll go and give them the question because that oh. will make sure. So, it's like Final Jeopardy. Yeah, someone was asking us. We were talking about body, soul, and spirit being made whole again together. And uh, the person said, I'm assuming this will happen at the rapture, but I wonder if you could talk a little more about that. So we should, we really appreciate that question. This is heavy. Oh, man, I love it's it. Total Final Jeopardy. So, so now people make their bids <laughs> on what they Send think we'll say. Send in what you think we're going to say. next week we'll reveal what was on their screen. <laughs> but uh, we'll be talking about that. A listener, I don't know if you're okay with me saying your name or not, so I'll just make sure you know who you are. We'll be we'll be happy to speak about that next week and uh, bring up that topic because I actually love that topic. It's so heavy, it'd be great. It's not heavy at all, man. It's I think a we have a, I think we have a, a slanted it's viewpoint. Eschatological. It's it's actually I can't wait to get into it. It's actually Platonic, meaning it's Plato in the original Greek and how that plays into what not Platonic came into the like our friendship, correct? Which I don't. I was studying. It was about. Clement of Alexandria and then Origen, who is yeah. his guy after him in the in the third century, and how they were able to bring into uh, the church the uh, this idea of some of the Greek philosophical thinkers who were looking and, and whether or not that's a mixture and an idolatry and all those things. It was a real big question of their time. We'll get into that next week. Oh, it was Plato that believed that the body was a prison. And so that's how that has come into so much of Christianity and whether or not that's originally what we thought. So can't wait to talk about that. There's a little tease for you. We'll, mm. we'll try to talk about on on the next week. But Deep stuff I'm next week. I'm telling you what, yeah. We'll still, we'll still have fun. No. Johnny, Johnny is, I used to tell the kids all the time, it's like, you, if you just want to be in a youth group where you just have fun, that's awesome. But the most fun thing you'll ever do in your life is to follow Jesus with all your heart. And play chubby bunnies. So, <laughs> stuff in this between. marshmallow down your throat. Try not to choke, because I'll lose my job. <laughs> I thought you were about to rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to choke, because I'll go be a joke. <laughs> Let's see which one. You can choose which one of those was better. So it's mm. uh, usually Johnny's. So, hey, man, because of that, you should follow Johnny and all the social medias. It's a big deal. Uh, uh, it's not, but please do. Well, you know, hey, listen, Johnny's not out doing as many live shows right now because I don't know if you guys heard, there's a pandemic. People aren't gathering yeah. as such. So you can get content from I've him. I've been a little idle, <laughs> but uh, I'm trying my best. Right. And I've got some new videos coming out this week, actually. I'm editing oh, sweet. And, and dispersing. Yeah. You, you like won't see Johnny those, Appleseed just spreading happiness. You won't see those videos if you don't follow Johnny, guys. So you There's no way. Follow. How would you? How would you? Absolutely. And he is not going to be embarrassed about them. He wants you to see them. Definitely. So, desperately uh, needs you to, to see them. put them on the big screen at church. Next Here's week. your free content. I'm not making money, but hey, how about <laughs> some free things? It's just as good. This is when social media has kind of backfired for that. Because used to, that would lead to you having shows. Yeah. And now you're like, oh, I get nothing for this free It content. leads to just more desperation for that context we were like what do we do we've gotten to the end of the internet we now we turn to you i will say this that that is uh, something some people are supporting us on patreon for moments like this so thank oh, all of you very nice and even we know it's hard for you during this time you've maintained your support during this uh this no one's pulled back no one man we actually had a few belt. we had a few ad actually so that's great. Yeah, we appreciate that, guys. That you guys are the best. You really, really are. So keep sending us your questions and your comments and uh, what you're talking about in your life so that we can talk about it here. Uh, wasn't that good, Johnny? You like that? <laughs> <laughs> guys, we do appreciate every week that you tune in, and uh, we'll see you next week on Talk About That. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. 
Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcast.